Sawbones is a show about medical history, and nothing the hosts say should be taken as medical advice or opinion. It's for fun. Can't you just have fun for an hour and not try to diagnose your mystery boil? We think you've earned it. Just sit back, relax, and enjoy a moment of distraction from that weird growth. You're worth it. All right. Tommy is about some books. One, two, one, two, three, four. Welcome to Sawbones, a marital tour of misguided medicine. I'm your co-host, Justin McElroy. And I'm Sydney McElroy. Boy, Sydney, after the, a little bit of a dark episode last week about Ebola, uh, I sure am happy to get back to something a little a little more chill. Well, I was hoping that that episode about Ebola would, would calm people down, mm-hmm. you know? I mean, because at least in the United States, you know, the point is that Ebola really isn't that big a deal here. Right. Yeah. So, so it's nice. So yeah. that, I mean, and, and I've been saying that for a while now is that, you know, Ebola sounds so scary and it's so dramatic, but, um, but, you know, as far as in the United States, we really shouldn't be worrying about it. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the virus that's, you know, going to end the world is probably the flu. So I don't know why we're all worked up about Ebola. The flu? Well, yeah. I mean, influenza for me is much more concerning than. For me personally, this is good in this country. It's great. I was just starting to get calmed down about Ebola, and now you're telling me that the flu is going to end humanity. Well, if you look from a historical perspective, I mean, the, these flu pandemics come up every you know ten to fifty years, and cool. I mean, sooner or later, it's just going to be the big one. So the big, one. you know, the big the big flu. Um, a, so a true story about uh, my wife and I. We went and saw the movie uh, Contagion. And she leans, and I'm having like a full blown panic attack. And she leans over just as the credits begin to roll and whispers in my ear, That's how it will happen. <laughs> cool. Cool. Okay. All right. Well, let's talk about the flu then, Sydney. Let's Not, talk about the let's flu. Let's talk about the flu. What's the flu? Okay. And, and let me just say, maybe I can calm people down about the flu a little too. Now yep. that I've worked you up, yeah. I'm going to take you on an exhausting ride where you end up calm at I the just end. barely got calm about Ebola. But okay. Tell me about the flu. Okay. So, influenza. First of all, it's a virus. You probably know that. Right. I do know that much. It's part of the Orthomyxoviridae family. You probably don't know that. Fancier name. I can see why we stick with flu. Um, there are now. Let me just say there are three different genus of the, the three different genuses. Gene. Geni. Geni. Gene. Geni. Probably geni. Yeah. That we'll go with that. Uh, flu A. Kinds. <laughs> sorts. <laughs> types. There are five Flavas. genus geni genuses okay. in the in the Orthomyxoviridae family, but there are three of them are flu, and what we're going to focus focus on is flu A. Okay, there is flu B and flu C. Flu C is not important. Flu B is sort of important. We'll touch on it, but flu A is what most people are thinking of each year when they talk about the flu, and especially when you hear us start using H's and N's, mm-hmm. we're talking about different strains of type A flu. Okay. Mm-hmm. 
The way we come up with that is that there are a lot of different antigens, which are just kind of proteins on the surface of the flu virus. Mm -hmm. And two of them in particular are called hemagglutinin and neuraminidase, which you will notice start with an H. And an N, okay. So when we talk about, for instance, H1N1 is the one I think most people are familiar with, uh, especially recently, we're talking about a certain uh, type of the H antigen and a certain type of the N antigen, and that helps us uh, figure out which strain of flu it is. Got it. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Okay. So these viruses, the flu viruses, can infect humans, of course, we know that, but they can also infect, as you may have learned, birds and pigs. Swine flu, avian flu, right. I remember that. Exactly. In a sense, when we talk about avian flu and swine flu, it's interesting. All flus are kind of avian flus and swine flus. How so? Well, most of the time, flu viruses start off probably in birds. Mm-hmm. That's probably where they live before they get to humans. Um, and then they change and mutate in a way that they can be communicable to humans. A lot of the time, it's actually happening in pigs. You can kind of think of them as the mixing vessel. Birds get give flus to pigs. Um, humans and pigs can exchange flus. And all of these viruses are mixing and matching. And that's why you get all these different strains. Give Charlotte's Web a much darker undercurrent. Yeah, right? is there like a wasn't there like a duck or a goose or something? And they're all there, all the all the ingredients. That's all you need. I mean, and that's really that's really true. Actually, that we're joking about it, but places where people live in close quarters with animals, especially when we're talking about like chickens and pigs, you know, fowl and and mm-hmm. swine. Um, that tends to be where these flu viruses originate, and especially in densely populated areas. That's why we think a lot of the viruses start off in China, is because you have, it's a very densely populated, I think like a quarter of the world's population lives there. Yeah. Something, I think that's the figure. So if you think about a really densely populated area where some people live in close quarters with animals, that's a perfect situation for a new, unique flu virus to arise. Right. Um, like I said, pandemics meaning you know cross cross national borders worldwide epidemics of the flu happen about every 10 to 50 years the most recent you probably know so i flew the h1n1 h1n1 right 2009 that That was was a pandemic that was a pandemic so i can just like chill so you're good for a little while for a little bit i can like chill well i mean sort of except next time i'll be an old old man and super duper susceptible so that's not great it's actually interesting i was reading kind of an older article about the flu and they were talking about how we can predict these the when about these pandemics should happen based on past uh, pandemics And they say in the article that depending on what you count as our last pandemic, the next one is probably due around 2008 or so. This is in an older article. So so they kind of predict, and and that's pretty certain. So I don't know. We may be, you know, a few years out from our next one, or maybe it'll be another 50 years before the next one. Who knows? Who knows? Uh, This has probably been happening since um, the time of the ancient Greeks. There are accounts of illnesses that sound like flu epidemics. Written, you know, by Hippocrates and such. It's hard to pin down without some of our modern testing and what have you. Exactly. I mean, because, you know, the symptoms of the flu can be so nonspecific. The description of it would would not be very helpful if we're talking about ancient texts. So it's probably gone back that far. We know for sure the first absolute agreed upon pandemic that we are aware of was in 1580. Um, And they've kind of been happening with this same frequency ever since. 
So what is it? What is it? Uh, how how does the flu feel? I mean, I've had it before, but what's it? What's it feel like? So the like I said, the symptoms of the flu can be pretty nonspecific. You know, it can be similar to the common cold. You get fever. You can get what we would consider upper respiratory symptoms: cough, runny nose, sore throat. But you also get uh, uh, these body aches, and that's pretty. Um, I don't want to say it's specific for the flu. There's certainly lots of viruses that cause that. But if, you, if you're if you not sure if it's the cold or the flu, if you are just hurting all over and exhausted, I'd lean a little more towards the flu. Mm. And then if you throw in some nausea and vomiting, that's definitely a flu picture. Perfect. Perfect recipe for flu. <laughs> uh, it can... Uh, it can leave you vulnerable for pneumonia. That's a big complication of the flu. And so that's when the respiratory symptoms seem to be getting worse instead of better. Because most viruses have a pretty, pretty predictable peak. You know, seven to 10 days. The flu may be up to 14 days where it gets worse, 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 and then better, 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 and you're fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're getting worse, 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 and then worse, 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 we start to wonder if maybe you, you got pneumonia on top of the flu. Um, and it's spread by respiratory droplets, meaning when somebody coughs or sneezes really close to you and right. all those nasty little snot drops fly in your face and Ugh. then you breathe them in or Delicious. you know they're yeah, on your wonderful. mouth and like I love it. liquid that gets in, you know. And yeah, yeah, snot, I get it. Like, no, like gets, I get the idea. Yeah, in yeah, like you your mucous membranes, like no, on your, you know, like your tongue understand and inside so, your mouth. And, uh, 1918 is written on this sheet. What's that mean? <laughs> so I think if we're going to talk about former play, former flu pandemics. I think the best one to talk about would be 1918. Uh, there are certainly ones that were came before and there have been pandemics since, but I think it's the most interesting because it has been called the greatest medical holocaust in history. Wow. Yes. It's pretty, so pretty firm. Yeah, so when when people, hey, when you're deciding that you don't need your flu shot cuz flu's not that big a deal, remember what I'm the about to say. The greatest medical holocaust in history. <laughs> It, no, but like by all means, don't go to the the CVS and take ten minutes to get your shot. <laughs> Sorry, Sid. It's considered one of the three worst plagues in history, with the Justinian plague and then, of course, the Black Death. We've got the what we call the Spanish flu, the influenza epidemic of nineteen eighteen pandemic. Excuse me. Where's it from? So this is this is a little harder to answer. Not from Spain. Okay, as Got you it. may as you may think, right? It is. It that was my first thought. Yes, it, it was not thought to originate in Spain. We had this theory that it originated in China, but that's just a theory uh, that wasn't actually traced there. It may have originated in the U.S. Oh wow! Sorry. The first kind of documented cases were simultaneous, and this is the weird thing about it. People started getting sick in disparate parts of the country at about the same time. There were cases popping up in San Quentin, in Detroit, in North Carolina, all around the same time. How odd. Which is very weird. Uh, and, you know, like I said, they still were trying to trace back, what, did, it, did it show up in the U.S. from China? We don't know. But it proceeds from the U.S., to devastate Europe, India, China, Australia, um, Africa. And of course, this was all exacerbated by what was going on in 1918. World War I. Exactly. So the American Expeditionary Force probably carried it overseas by boat, um, which was a big problem because the, the war effort not only spread the virus outside of national borders, you know, because people were going right. all over the world, it also helped to spread it within the U.S. where you have, you know, different people being called up for military service and going to different bases around the U.S. Bob Hope doing his USO tours, just spreading it. Bob Hope and all those dancing girls just took it all over. Thanks, guys. <laughs> spread it everywhere. 
Um, a but song, a little dance, a little uh, flu, feel debilitating <laughs> fatal flu. And then some jokes about golf or something. Yeah, I think jokes about golf. And also he was, he was probably not doing a lot of shows in 1918. But but still, <laughs> still, you get the idea. Um, it's probably somebody with a puppet. Things sucked back then. Sorry. Especially if you had the flu. Yeah. For, well, yes. And if you think about it, it was also the perfect, not only did we have a lot of people moving around, which is always a risk factor for spreading disease when you've got people breaking national borders in in great masses for some reason. But then you think about the way that our soldiers were living, whether it be in military bases in the U.S. or in trenches overseas, people were living in close quarters. And then when we moved into actually the, you know, the war front in unsanitary conditions. Mm -hmm. So it was very easy for one sick person to quickly infect a lot of other people, especially if their immune system was depressed by, you know, being malnourished and cold and fatigued and then probably fighting off other illnesses and then bam. Yeah, exactly. Well, under the stress of, you know, warfare. Sure. Uh, So it spread through Germany, Germany, Italy, France, Spain, you know, all the countries that were involved in the war were certainly affected through the UK, through Russia. And at one point, it started to mutate. And we see this because it begins to pass back through countries that had already kind of we had already seen the peak and it had started to ebb. So we, we saw this huge flu, this rise in cases. People started getting better, and then all of a sudden, the second wave of infection started. A revival. Appearing. It was a revival of the flu started happening. It was revamp. It was the Batman Begins of the flu. And unfortunately, Fresh start. This mutation, this this n- new wave of the flu, appeared to be worse than the first. Similar to when we think about, you know, the thing that was so interesting. Well, the thing that was so sad, I should say, about the H one N one epidemic, is that it it was actually killing a different segment of the population than we're used to a more um a younger healthier segment mm-hmm. which the the problem with that is that at the time we were only targeting the very young and the very old for flu vaccine so the exact population that we weren't targeting for flu vaccination was getting affected by the flu mm-hmm. which we've learned our lesson since then Good. uh but at the time you know before the flu vaccine all of a sudden we have all these young healthy people getting the flu with a second wave so the first wave hurt the very young the very old the second wave started taking out everybody in between and it was pretty devastating all told in this pandemic about half of the world's population probably got infected with the flu half half now let me clarify though about a quarter developed symptoms a quarter? Yes. That's still like a bajillion people yes lots and lots of people got the flu the death rate from the flu is usually pretty low, maybe like 0.1%. With this potent, with this particular pandemic, it was more like 2%, which sounds low, right? Like that doesn't sound well, big. Well, it sounds low until you realize that half the people had it. So when you look at sheer numbers, we're really talking about probably 40 or 50 million people who died of the flu between about 1918 and 1920. You know, it's so interesting, though, that like, to use Ebola as an example, I think what makes it so scary is because that death rate is so much higher. And it's like, but but it doesn't, but the flu is actually like sneakier. The flu is like an underground sleeper success. It's like an underground hit that everybody sees like after it's out of theaters. <laughs> and the, 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 uh, 
the the Ebola is sort of like a smash. It's like the Transformers. Exactly. Right. Like exactly. a smash release that everybody like like it really devastates people. It's kind of like Ebola is kind of like um, the Blue album in the Weezer collection, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and the flu is more like Pinkerton, kind of a grower. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Gotcha. But if you're if you're a true fan, you like the flu better. I mean, you don't like the flu better. I don't like you the flu better. You respect it. You respect it. You got to right? have respect for the flu. Gotcha. So the the interesting thing about this is that when we look at mortality during World War One, we're probably looking at as many deaths from influenza as we are from the war itself. Wow. Um, it's estimated that maybe half of American soldiers who died in World War One died from influenza. Hmm. And I don't know... I can't tell you all the specifics in terms of how that impacted the war itself, but if you consider that a lot of the soldiers who were sent overseas were probably too sick to fight, and um, a lot of the soldiers who you know were already there on the other side were probably too sick to fight, um, this probably had a major impact on many battles and maybe helped play some part in ending the war when it did, uh, hmm. because so many people were sick. I'm just not in the mood anymore. I can't. I can't do it. Well, I mean, if you think about it, if you look around and you've got nobody left to fight because everybody's in bed with the flu. Um, and, and when you look at... What if they threw a war and everybody had diarrhea? I think that's what the hippies really had in mind. Right. <laughs> with all that lack of bathing, that was probably the goal. So at the Treaty of Versailles, do you know that several of the participants actually had the flu? I did not know that. Yeah, Woodrow Wilson, for instance. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Prime Minister of the UK, David Lloyd George, and the Premier of France all had the flu during the Treaty of Versailles. Excellent. I mean, I, that still went okay, I think. So why was it the Spanish flu? The only reason it was called the Spanish flu is because early on in the course of the flu, as they were figuring out that this was a pandemic, that it was happening everywhere, and as they were kind of um, sketching it out as an entity, there was a huge outbreak in Spain, and a lot of people died, and it got it was it got a lot of attention on the world stage and so it was dubbed the spanish flu because of that hmm. but depending on where you wore, were you called it something different for instance if you were in germany you may have called it the french flu and if you were in france you may have called it the german flu <laughs> uh, so how do uh, we we've talked a whole lot about you know how the you know what this thing is but how do we how do we fight back that's what this show's supposed to be about how we treat it And there are lots of treatments, and I am thrilled to tell you about them. But before we do that, you're going to need to hop on over to the billing department. Let's go. We have just started rehearsing for the summer theater. That's right. Summer starts in March around these parts, and that means we don't have much time at all in the evenings to make dinner. But we will not be just consuming Wendy's, uh, although... There will be some Wendy's consumed, but we are going to have a little extra help with Factor, which delivers ready-to-eat, delicious meals right to your door. And not like junky stuff you get out of the freezer aisle, whatever. This is real, high-quality, chef-crafted stuff that in two minutes you're ready to eat it. I'm talking about some Southwestern-style turkey and mac. I think this week I'm going to be enjoying a shredded chicken taco bowl is 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 part of my plan um but they got like fancy stuff listen to this we're gonna get this truffle butter filet mignon i mean seriously from 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 a a box 
pre-prepared. All I got at two minutes. I'm eating filet mignon. That sounds delicious. Yeah, it sounds delicious. And you can give these a try. And it's not just these meals. We're talking pancakes, smoothies. They got some great wellness shots that are surprisingly delicious. And the meals you just eat and eat. There's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup. Get as much as you need by choosing your meals every week. You're going to get exactly what you want. No surprises here. Uh, And the meals, I can say, are delicious. So what do you got to lose? Head on over to factormeals.com slash sawbones50 and use code sawbones50 to get 50% off. That's code sawbones50 at factormeals.com slash sawbones50 to get 50% off. Sydney, you know how you're always saying that you'd like to build a Justin McRoy fan site full of all your favorite quotes, clips, videos, and hunky pictures of beloved podcaster Justin McRoy? I don't remember. Well, there's that- no need to wait any longer, Sydney, because Squarespace is going to make it easier than you could possibly believe to make a website uh, all about your favorite hunky podcasting superstar. I don't think I was going Squarespace, to— Squarespace, what is it? It's a tool—think of it as— the palette, the palette of a web design artist. But you don't have to be a web design artist. You could just take stuff off the palette that is created by real people that know what they're really doing and put it from the palette onto the easel. The metaphor is broken down. Basically, you're going to be able to create great-looking websites that have fantastic customer support and help you unlock your creativity and do whatever you want to with your small business or podcaster obsession. You can sell products. You can uh, post your videos. You can share your stories about how Justin has shaped your life and is also a fantastic father. Folks, you got to stop waiting to make your Justin McElroy fan site. Go to squarespace.com slash sawbones for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch your Justin McElroy fan site, use offer code sawbones to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Sydney, let's fix the flu. Let's cure the flu. All right. So when we're talking about treatments for the flu, a lot of these came out of that big pandemic in 1918 because uh, this was before the age of antibiotics, which wouldn't have helped us, by the way, anyway, because the flu is a virus and not a bacteria. But we really didn't know how we could treat it. Um, And by the way, I should just say this, these treatments, these hospitals that were set up at the time, it was crazy. Like, Uh, churches and uh, schools were turned into hospitals. There were makeshift hospitals all over the country. Um, Med students were running these hospitals. Oh, gosh. Yeah, I mean, because they didn't have enough healthcare professionals. Sounds like when you were in uh, Honduras the first time. That's true. That's true. Because a lack of medical professionals, it was just, it was whoever was there. And this was really the kind of situation that we were looking at in the U.S. at the time. So any treatment that worked for anything was being tried. Um, and so you had some really practical things like aspirin was around. Sure. So give them some aspirin. Uh, they gave people oxygen if they needed it, which we had the capacity to do. Although we also did it by injecting it under the skin, which is not not a treatment that I'm familiar with. Hmm. Not quite sure how that would help very nope. much. Um, for pneumonia, they gave a lot of epinephrine, which again would not be something that... I, I don't know even know what that is. Like a, an EpiPen? Is that what, is yeah. that what epinephrine is? Like yeah. to get an allergy? So, yeah. So, I guess they're trying to open airways quickly. Okay. Sure. Which would open your airways. Ultimately, it wouldn't fix pneumonia. Yeah, right. But if you were also in anaphylactic shock. Sure. Well, if a bee was nearby at the time that you got pneumonia. You're covered. You're covered. Um, cinnamon and milk yeah, was a very popular. nice. 
which I mean that would be pleasant. pleasant. Yeah, I mean, yeah, flu or no flu, I mean, give me some of that. I'll yeah. fake a flu if I'll get me some cinnamon and milk. Come on. And let me say, there were some really practical things that people did. Bed rest. Yeah. You know, try to feed people, give them lots of fluids. Mm-hmm. That's okay. I mean, those were probably the mainstay, as is true now, of treatment of the flu. Right. Um, they had. They were really. Uh, enjoying doing this cold pack on head treatment that was something that was used for many different illnesses it's at very the time unpleasant. yeah just put a big ice pack right on your head i'll keep my cinnamon and milk thank you yeah i don't know that i would enjoy that and then you're supposed to drink warm drinks while you're doing it just kind of, it's like muscle confusion right no. like yaks <laughs> okay so put an ice pack on your head and drink some tea and then of course hydrotherapy was still popular at the time so just stick them in a warm bath right which wouldn't help, but again, probably hurt. Didn't, didn't hurt anybody. The, the one interesting thing, if you look at the pandemic in 1918, people were trying something that made a lot of sense, which was to take blood from people who had the flu and got better and give it to other people. They did that with Ebola. Yes. Yeah. And that makes a lot of sense because you formed antibodies. So you're giving somebody passive immunity. You're trying to take the antibodies that are protecting somebody who's already gotten the flu and give them to someone who's never been exposed. Mm-hmm. That's, I mean, that's passive immunity. I mean, it was very um, high tech at the time. I'm assuming it didn't didn't pan out. It may have helped some. It's hard. I mean, it wasn't like people were doing real regimented studies to prove right, that any right, of this was ha- was helping. If the blood was a match, then it may have helped. But, uh, you know, that's a big question. Um, some less helpful treatments salt up the nose Ugh. uh you could try a goose grease poultice it's a very like it's kind of like a festive almost it has like a holiday <laughs> vibe to it these flu treatments actually it does because you could top this off with a bag of garlic gum around your neck it's nice you know they're you're ready to get roasted now if you're <laughs> a turkey if you're trying to cure your turkey's influenza and you've got a bunch of family coming over and you want to make sure it's done just right and also cured of influenza. We've got a lot of treatments for you. You're going to want to inject it with some cinnamon milk, put some oxygen right under the skin. Really delicious. And then uh, get some garlic gum, rub that around the neck, uh, uh, salt up its nose. Chicken, turkeys don't have noses. But, and then a goose grease poultice inside. It's really going to be <laughs> this just is delicious. The, this is the treatment that the witch from Hansel and Gretel told kids to do. Right. <laughs> Yeah, some, you know what'll fix that up? Cumin. Some just, cumin on there. You need a little more salt up your nose. A little more salt up your nose. Hop in this oven. Onions were a popular treatment. Okay. <laughs> sure. Stuffing? They would, uh, they would Giblets? feed. Uh, and a lot of these were used on kids, by the way, because kids were the ones getting, I mean, everybody was getting the flu, but especially little kids. So they would like take their kid and after they've salted them and greased them and put garlic on them, and preheated cover the them in raw onions. Yeah. You could eat the onions, but why not cover you in onions? Seems even better. Mm-hmm. If you couldn't handle onions, uh, one thing that they recommended as a second line treatment, I suppose, is you could take some hot coals and sprinkle either sulfur or brown sugar, which seems like a big, yeah. a big gap if, there. Can I vote? Are we voting? Because I'm going to say brown sugar. Also, how how is your um, uh, efficacy with your onion thing if you think that, like, Instead of eating onions, you could sprinkle brown sugar on hot rocks. Maybe that would do something. I We don't know. We're making it up. <laughs> well, no, you have to, like, burn the coals then and let the fumes, like, inhale them. Right. I mean, I'm with you. It's just, like, <laughs> a pretty far cry from eating onions, Sydney Small McElroy. I think I my theory is that we're still basing this on the idea that, like, disease doesn't like 
strong smells and things it's, that make you sick. And, yeah. Yeah. It, it's kind of, a, it, it, it's not that far off from things that would make you puke or poop a lot. Um, which probably eating all these onions would. Mm-hmm. So uh, quarantine was popular, of course. If you didn't know how to treat the flu, at least try not sure. to spread it. So uh, during the time, a lot of theaters, stores, schools, churches, everything was closed. There were l- laws passed different places about wearing masks and about banning public spitting. That, yeah, it seems, I think we should keep those in place. Well, that was done, if you remember, we talked about it in the tuberculosis episode, sure. too. So so you could get, actually, I think the Boy Scouts were big on that. They would come up if they saw you spitting and give you a little card to remind you that it was illegal <laughs> to, to spit in public places. Excellent. It's a great job for the Boy Scouts, I think. Thanks, guys. Hey, Boy Scout, you smell like onions and brown sugar. <laughs> Where do you get off? Um, I, I found this great. A website with a bunch of flu stories, mm-hmm. like accounts from people who were around during the flu pandemic, or either the like kids or grandkids of these people. There was one account, and I, and I was looking for cures for the flu from the time. One account was from someone named Sadie, afraid of his horses, Janice, which is a great name. Yes, and she said that one of the uh, one of the tr- treatments they would use was kerosene and sugar. Oh, like to in what form? They would. They. I'm assuming it was like rubbing kerosene and sugar on people. Let's I don't hope. think they would be silly enough to drink kerosene. Let's hope. But like you rub yourself with kerosene and sugar. There was another account from a Bud Pancake, um, where he was talking about a local country doctor where where he lived, and this doctor swore that the only thing that would cure the flu was bootleg whiskey. Sure, that makes perfect sense. Uh, the problem is that he used up all of his supplies, mm-hmm. you know, courageously saving the lives of the townsfolk. Right. And so he he started looking around, like, where, where else is there some more bootleg whiskey? And he thought to go ask the sheriff, because part of the sheriff's job was to round up bootleg whiskey. Mm-hmm. So he went and he talked to the sheriff and he said, do you have any whiskey? And he said, yeah, but we're keeping it for evidence. We're trying to put this guy behind bars. So in the story that Bud tells... Uh, his, this doctor got together a vigilante committee <laughs> to go retrieve the whiskey. To go round up the whiskey. I yeah. like that it's a vigilante committee. It's a very organized. It is. There's they follow Robert's rules of order and they very mannerly wear powdered wigs. Uh, there was another survivor who said that the reason he made it is that he bathed in Listerine. So. There you go. Sure. You could try that today. And one, um, now this is a current home remedy I found. This is something that somebody recommended right now for the flu. Uh, so she claims that she cured her children of the flu and her husband mm-hmm. when they got it with uh, drinking a gallon of water a day. Sure. Warm liquids. Okay. Taking vitamin C tablets, 500 milligrams at a time, until you achieve bowel tolerance. Okay. And what does you- that mean? Bowel tolerance is when you can't stop pooping. Excellent. Okay. And that's when you're taking enough vitamin C. Perfect. Great. Okay. I'm no longer thinking about my flu. No, because you're pooping nonstop. Because I'm pooping all the time. Pooping back and forth forever. (laughs) Also, try some oil of oregano, elderberry syrup, and organic apple cider vinegar. Okay. Oh, and by the way, stop eating any carbs or sugars. Okay. All right. All right, lady. You're off the show. Here's the door. <laughs> okay. We know you're kind on sawbones. Out of here. If you remember from uh, our, strike, previous, you're out. our previous episode, please do not take mega doses of vitamin C. We do not recommend it. And certainly not until you achieve bowel tolerance. Yes. 
Um, in China, they just tried killing all the chickens. There you go. So you can do that too. So anyway, we've had a flu vaccine since 44, 1944. Okay. Uh, the, like I said, the most recent pandemic was the H1N1 in 2009. And the reason I mention it again is I hope that that has made more people aware that the flu is a big deal and you should get vaccinated against it. Since 2010, we now recommend that everybody get a flu vaccine unless you have some reason you absolutely cannot. Um, there's a new virus every flu season. Well, there can be a new virus every flu season, I should say. But periodically, we get something called antigenic shift, which is when there's a giant change in the flu virus. And at that point, we can get things like the H1N1 flu that can obviously be very deadly. So this is why it's so important for you to try to get your flu vaccine every year. Um, this is what you need to know about the flu vaccine. Okay. The flu vaccine protects you usually against three three different strains of the flu virus uh, they can be quadrivalent which means there are four but most of the flu vaccines you're getting at your local pharmacy or at your doctor's office are the trivalent three it contains two different flu a strains so an h1n1 and an h3n2 two of the more common flu strains and it also protects you against the most common b strain of flu okay, okay. Um, even if we guess a little bit wrong it can still help you. So even if it's not the, the strain of flu that's popular this year, isn't that exact strain that we vaccinated you against? If they're close enough, it will still help to protect you. Those antibodies can still be protective. Uh, we pick based on sampling of um, pigs and chickens and birds and that kind of thing to try to predict what flu virus is going to be the big, the, the hot new virus this year. Right. Um, and we also follow trends worldwide. The injection you get cannot give you the flu. Would you say that for me, sure. Justin, in your the manly voice? The injection you get cannot give you the flu. That's right. The flu virus, the flu shot is a killed virus. It, you cannot get the flu from it. So no matter how many people tell you they got the flu from the flu shot, they didn't. They just unfortunately got sick. Not Sorry. from the flu shot. They just got sick. It's flu season, guys. There's lots of colds and flus out there. Um, everybody over six months can get the injection and then there's also a nasal spray that has a live virus that kids between two and eight can get healthy kids between two and eight you need it once every year because immunity wanes and because sometimes we change the flu vaccine to adapt it to whatever the current virus is what's the what 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 time of year is there a certain time of year when like it changes over the new flu yeah the new flu you should be getting it in early fall so we started giving it to people in september i got mine Yes, I got mine too. It takes about two weeks to work um, it, while you're building up an immune response to it. Mm -hmm. So the earlier you get it, the better. As soon as it comes out, I'd, I'd advise you to get it so that by the time flu season really hits, which is kind of now, now as we're moving into late November, into December, January, February, that's when we really start to see the peak flu, um, you're already protected. Uh, and here's the thing. If we guess completely wrong with the flu strain, or if something like happened in 2009 happens, the flu vaccine may not protect you. But most of the time we don't pick wrong and the flu vaccine does protect you. And if nothing else, even if, because it's not 100%, even if you get the flu, you'll get a milder version that lasts short, a shorter time span and your symptoms won't be as bad. And either way, it's better than doing nothing, you goofs. Come on, let's get some herd immunity going here. That's right, because there are people who can't get the flu vaccine. So ask your doctor. Most of you should be able to get it if you're listening. But ask your doctor if you're concerned that there's a reason you can't get the flu vaccine. 
And then go ask your neighbor or your family member or your loved one to get the flu vaccine if you can't, because then they can protect you from the flu. Right. Our baby can't get the flu vaccine. So go get go get your flu shot today for Charlie. So this one's for Charlie. That's right. I'm getting my flu vaccine for Charlie. Uh, also, uh, if you get the flu, please stay away from my baby. Yeah. You don't need an appointment, by the way. Just go to the drugstore. Say, hey, give me give me that shot. Yeah, go it to the five minutes. go to the drugstore. Go to your local health department. Um, I guarantee your doctor's office, if you have a primary care doctor, can provide it. We don't even we don't even need appointments for it. You just come to our office and say you need a flu shot, and we will give you one. Oh, so. uh, this has been our program, Sawbones. Thank you so much for listening to it. Uh, we hope you're driving to go get your flu shot right now. Uh, there's a lot of other shows on the Maximum Fun Network for you to enjoy. That's the network we're a part of. Uh, uh, we got Judge John Hodgman. There's a, a culture show called Bullseye, which is a great culture interview program. Always something interesting there. Uh, you got Stop Podcasting Yourself, a couple of really funny cats who always have a great uh, third guest. Um, my Brother, My Brother and Me, thank you. That's which a- is the show with this one really cute guy oh my there's there's these other two guys too but there's one really cute guy that's a comedy of i showed with my brothers listen to that and so much more on the maximum fun uh network uh let's thank the taxpayers for the use of their song medicines as our intro and outro want to encourage you to follow us on twitter if you don't already it's at sawbones uh we also have a facebook page just search for sawbones or i think go to uh, facebook.com slash sawbones show i think we'll get you there too if you want to email us, org, And I think that's going to do it for us until next Tuesday. I'm Justin McElroy. I'm Sydney McElroy. And as always, don't drill a hole in your head. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.